Father, were we to be completely honest, that prayer, that song, would be our prayer. It would be the cry of our heart. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. I pray, Father, that today, that by your Holy Spirit, you will instill within us that sense of ongoing needfulness that we will never come to a place where we would say, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. But Lord, you have been you have been gracious enough to give us all things. Your word says you have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And yet, this cry, this confession, oh Lord, how I need you. And so I pray, Father, that you will, your presence will be felt here today. And our need, which is great, we will find rest and peace and solace in knowing that even though this cry will be the cry of our heart, you will answer that cry and you will fill us and you will satisfy us and you will meet our needs. Father, at this moment, I just pray that you will take our tithes, our offerings, and our gifts and we will give into your kingdom because we want to see it expanded. We want to see needs met. People come to Christ. Missionaries sent. Father, accept our offerings and tithes in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for bringing us to this place. And we just ask that now as we open up your word, 
that you will open up our hearts and our minds to receive it, to hear what you have to say to us. And I pray, Lord, that we won't leave this place the same as when we came in, but we will leave differently because we have been exposed to the truth of your word. And we will determine in our hearts that we will live by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Every one of us that we're at this point in our life, um, we can look back on our lives and some of those times would be short. The younger we are, the shorter that period of time to look back. Obviously, the older we are, the further we have to look back. But all of us have had experiences that have, in many ways, molded us and shaped us and given us an outlook on life, given us a a, a worldview, given us just basically who we are. Some of those experiences were, were very, very pleasant. Some of them were joyful. Some of them were thrilling. Others, not so much. Um, but nevertheless, they were experiences that, that are ours, that we, that we identify with. And, and in some ways, there may be some of those experiences that we've experienced that we would, in some ways, we would say, man, I wish I would have never, I would have never had to go through that. But, As believers in the Word of God, we know that we serve a sovereign God. Now, I had a little discussion yesterday with, with, uh, with an individual, or I, I was listening, I should say, I was listening to an individual who, who was, in, was struggling with just how far do you take that? Just how far do you take the sovereignty of God? Well, just the very concept, just the very, the very word sovereign, <laughs> the very word sovereign tells you how far you have to take it because either he is sovereign or he isn't. There, there is... There's, there's no such thing as, well, you're sort of sovereign. You're kind of sovereign. You know. The sovereignty of God is that God is in charge of all things. He's in control of all things. Uh, the, the Word says that um, when it's talking about Jesus, it's talking about that He was the exact representation of the Father. He created all things and in Him all things are are held together. So I want to take us this morning 
into the, into the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. And in 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. We, you know, a few months ago, a couple months ago, we, we finished up the, uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. But in, in, in 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, Paul is again writing to this same church. And, and he, is, he is trying to help them to understand and help them to see. And what I want to help you to see and what I need to, I need to see for myself. No matter how old we are or how young we are, the things that we have experienced, we should not waste. Don't waste those experiences. Don't put those experiences on the back burner. Don't say things like, I, well, I wish I would have never had to go through that. Because a sovereign God who is controlling all things, and if you believe that that's true, then that sovereign God is the very one that allowed you to go through that experience. And he had, he had multiple reasons for that to happen. Number one, he was, he was attempting to mold you into what he wanted you to be. But just as importantly, he was, he was giving you an experience that, was, that would be a valuable asset to you later on down the road as you dealt with other people who experienced the same thing. Listen to what Paul's writing. One of the things here in this passage of Scripture that gave me a new appreciation for the Apostle Paul is that in, in this first chapter, Paul makes this rather incredible confession. He said, I, I got to the point. I got to the point. Now, you, know, you picture the Apostle Paul. We picture the Apostle Paul. We, we picture this guy who's, who boldly goes around preaching the gospel. He just, he just walks into a town and sees a group of people, and he just walks over and starts preaching to them. That may be true. But the Apostle Paul makes a confession here in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, Corinthians, and he said, I got to the point where I despaired of life. I despaired of life. I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't want to live anymore. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to read... I don't want to read too much into that. I'm not, I don't think that Paul, I don't think that Paul was suicidal. I don't think he was thinking about taking his own life. He was just tired of living. He was tired of dealing with all of the things that he was having to deal with that were part of the burden that God had put on him in order for him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And he said, you know what? I, I, I almost despaired of life.
And, and, and what he says to the Corinthians here is, is he's saying to them, look, there, is a, there are some things that you've gone through, and please don't waste those experiences because those experiences are what God has given you. Now, you may sit here and you may say, well, you know what, I, you know... I don't, know, I don't know what I could possibly do with the experiences that I've had. Well, listen, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God, the Father and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Now, my, my question to you is, here, you're, you're here today, and my question to you is, have you ever, have you ever had trouble? Hmm. Did you receive comfort for your trouble? Did you receive comfort for your trouble? Did you receive comfort for your trouble from your Heavenly Father? So then you don't have a real problem with what it says here, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles. Would that fit into what you're... Would that fit into your scenario? Would you, would you be able to grab a hold of that and say, yeah, that... that I've, I've, been, I've been there at least on one occasion. Okay. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You see that? We received comfort from God in our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We're going to now, we now change from simply being the recipients of God's comfort to a conduit for His comfort. Now, I could ask you the question, and, I, and, and I'll let that answer to you. You don't have to answer it. But, but I could ask the question, was there someone that God used to comfort you when you went through your particular time of need? And many of you could answer, yes. That, that was them being used as a conduit for his comfort. We are, not just, we are not just wells and cisterns. We are, we are to be used as conduits for that. So we, 
we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. There is that, there is that sense of, yes, I have, I have gone through that and I had received that comfort from God and there was somebody who helped me. They were a conduit. Now God is, now God is calling upon me to be a conduit of comfort for others that know so that they too may know the comfort of God that I received. Now granted, folks, granted. Please don't misunderstand me about this. This is not just talking about suffering for being a Christian. This is not being comforted in persecution. Not just that. That would certainly be included in that. But it's not just that. It can, it can be anything that another person is suffering that is similar to what you have experienced in your life. Now, I'll be honest with you, the, the danger of that, some, I don't want to say the danger of that, the difficulty with you allowing yourself to be the conduit of that is that while that comfort is flowing out of you into another individual, there's always the opportunity for that memory of what you went through to be relived again. And oftentimes, many people will not, will not allow themselves to be a, a conduit of comfort because they're afraid that as that conduit, that comfort begins to leave them and go into another person to comfort them, the reality of why they had that comfort in the first place becomes alive again. And it's like maybe scratching the surface of an old wound. So they begin to hold on to that comfort because it feels better when it's there and it's not being given out. If we are distressed, Paul says, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is, you for, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer this patiently so that you can see what that looks like and then you can do the same thing. Our, our lives, folks, when you read, when you read the, the New Testament and you see what the early church went through because of their belief in the resurrection of Jesus. That was, the, that was the core. That was the foundation. They believed in the resurrection of Jesus. And they suffered, they suffered persecution because of it. 
And what one group was suffering in persecution, they were able to go and they were able to say to another group who was experiencing that same persecution, watch us. Paul's saying, watch how, watch how I endure. So, because now you know that you can endure as well. It's a little bit like in Romans chapter 12. You know, after you go through Romans, uh, not Romans chapter 12, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith. You're familiar with the Hebrews chapter 11 where, where the writer there lists all the people of great faith, Moses and, and Noah and Abraham, and, and, uh, and it just lists them all, talks about their, their great exploits and all the things that they do and, and how so many of them suffered for their, for their faith. And then in chapter 12, he says this. He goes, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And, and you, can, you can picture, well, if you just came away from the Olympic Games, watching the Olympic Games was a perfect picture. Here is this, here is this group of people that, have, that are in the stands cheering, but not just those who have never competed, but there were those in the stands who had competed and were, were there to, you know, from years past, and they're in the stands and they're cheering them on. This great cloud of witnesses from the Hall of Faith is, is like a, they're in the stands and you and I and the rest of us that are alive, we're down on the field. We're still competing. We're still running the race. We're still going through the things that, that, that life brings us. And those who have gone before, those from the Hall of Faith, they're in the stands and they are cheering us on and they are saying to us, don't quit, persevere, keep going. We all went through that. We all dealt with what you're going through. We experienced the same thing you're going through and I'm te we're testifying to you, you can make it. That's the picture. And Paul's saying here, if we're, if we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. We, we're experiencing distress, and we're experiencing sufferings, but we're enduring them, and we're showing you how it's done in order that you will be able to endure the same thing. It... It is of no value to someone to say, well, you need to endure this if you're not enduring it. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. So often... So often we are, we think that our experiences are, are not worth much. But to an individual who's going through what we've gone through, how incredibly comforting that would be. 
Just imagine, let's just look at something very simple. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on Hannah because she's sitting here. Pick on Hannah. Hannah's wearing a boot. She's got a boot on. She's got to walk with crutches. Okay? Got to walk. She sprained her ankle. Okay? Now, if, let's just say that Hannah was really discouraged about that, and in some ways she is because now she can't play volleyball the rest of the season, and she's got to sit on the sideline, and that's tearing her up because I was sitting next to her the other day, and she's going, this is driving me crazy sitting on the sideline, watching these people, watching the other girls play, and I can't be on, I can't be there. I can't be out there helping them. How much, how much of a, comfort might it be for a, another, another girl her age, let's say, who would walk up to her and say, you know, I had the same thing happen to me. And, I, and I'll tell you, just hang in there. It, it'll take a little bit of time, but I got to tell you, I, I'm, my leg's better for it and I'm stronger and blah, blah, you know. What is that? That's just, that's just a word of encouragement that says, I've, I've been there. I, I know exactly what you're going through. And, and I just want to give you a word of encouragement. I just want to tell you that you can make it. There's not an individual in here, young or old, that, is, that does not have the ability to give a word of encouragement or, or, or comfort to someone in an experience that's like this. What's what I'm trying to say to you is do not waste your experiences. Don't waste your experiences. Do not think your experiences are of no value. They have, they have forged you into who you are and what you are. Now use them as a way of helping other people get past what they're involved in and what they're having to go through. That's what Paul's trying to say to us here. Our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. Mother Teresa. She said, not, of, not all of us can do great things but we can do small things with great love. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Do you hear that? That's, that's what he talks about. Man, I was just, I was ready to give up. I was ready to give up on life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt that we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Here's what he says in, in um, 2 Corinthians 9. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. 
I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false prophets. I have labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? See, that was Paul's experience. All of those things that Paul experienced, that that made him made him stronger he now is using to uplift and help those who are who are going through maybe less severe things than that but saying to them listen here's what i've experienced and i made it through now you can too he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will he will deliver us on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor God granted to us in answer to the prayers of many. Look. <coughs> we're the body of Christ. We're, we're part of the body of Christ. And one of the things that we, I'm going to say we, I'm not talking about the rest of the body of Christ, we, we need to work on. We need to work on this sense of community. The idea of community. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all go out and sell everything that we have and we bring it into a common pool. We're not talking about communism. But the sense of community is, is that when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. I can testify to that. I got to tell you something. My arm right here, this arm feels really good. But my focus isn't on my arm right now. My focus is on my back because it hurts. You see what I'm saying? My neck and my head feel fine. But I'm, I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on what hurts. 
And I'm not saying that because, because, I want you, because I want your pity. I'm just simply using it as an analogy that when, 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 the, when the body hurts, when a part of the body hurts, we all need, we all hurt. That, that, that sense of community that we, that we read about in, in the last, one of the last verses in chapter 2 of the book of Acts where, where it talks about, and, and, you know, all the people, all the people, the church, they ate together with gladness of heart. And we could, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to go in there and pick this stuff up and say, well, this is, this is what we ought to do. No, it was the attitude. It was the sense of community. We belong. It's, this is not where I go. This is who I am. There are a few of you in this room there's a few of you in this room that really can relate to this in a different sense. Landon, Keith, and myself. You understand the brotherhood of what it means to be a part of a group of people. Keith and the Marines, you and the Army. And while I was while I was in the Army, my experience wasn't quite what their experience was, but I understood that in the sense of what it was when I was a part of the, of the fire department here in Sarasota. Next year, next year it will be 30 years since I left that job to do, to do this job. Next, next May, it will be 30 years. And on Monday, one of, my, one of my chiefs passed away back in September and his memorial service was out at the National Cemetery on Monday and I went out there and I walked in and there were a group of guys that I worked with and had, some of them I haven't seen in years and years but I was a part of the brotherhood and when I walked up there it was like I'd never left. You know what that means, don't you? You know what that means. It was like I never left. I was just embraced as part because why? Because we had been through things together. We had we had been in we had been in buildings that other people were running out of and we were running into it. There's something about that that creates a brotherhood that you can't begin to understand unless you've been in it. That's, that's what Paul's talking about here in the church. Relationships forged in the midst of difficulty and, and life and death struggles that forge you as a unit and make you into something, that's the community of the body of Christ, the church.
That's what God is looking for in us. And it comes as we share what we, what we are and what we've been through with others that are going through the same thing. The comfort with which we were comforted is what we're using to comfort others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege to be a part of your church, to be a part of the body of Christ. And everything that goes with that all of the promises, all of, all of your things that you said we will benefit from as well as the difficulties and the sufferings and the persecution that will come our way as we live godly lives in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for a sense of community to fall on this place. That we will view each other as brothers and sisters. Not just as acquaintances. Not as just people who meet together one hour a week. But that you will develop in us this sense of community where when one rejoices, we rejoice together. When one hurts, we hurt together. And we comfort one another with the comfort that we at one time received. We are not in this together. We are, we are not in this alone. We are in it together. We are stronger together. Because we, we have you as our head. And we are the body. Oh, Father, I just want to pray and thank you for the ministries of this church. Thank you for our daycare, for the good work it is doing, for the lives of these children that are being touched with the, with the truth of God's word. Thank you for love serves, Lord, and the work that they are doing. And Lord, as, and in, in, within the Dominican Republic, and along with that, Lord, we thank you for the, the opportunity that to be involved with, those, with the orphanages, not through Love Serves, but through the, through the uh, Brethren in Christ Church, Lord. And we just pray that those doors will continue to open for, for us to, to, uh, to be a part of that, of ministering to these orphanages. We pray for our missionaries, for Todd and Shelley Marks and for Chris Garris. Thank you, Father, for the work that is being done in these different countries where you have called them for a specific purpose to a specific people because so great is your love for those people. We thank you for our time together at the, at the uh, Transitional Center last night, Father. And we pray for the EE Prison Ministry, Father. And Lord, we just... We just ask for those who are in this service today 
I just want to pray for you. You just say, I have a need. I don't care if it's physical, spiritual, financial, what it is. You just, you know, I got a need. Lift your hand right up. I want to pray for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I do, you know exactly why that hand's lifted. You know exactly why it's lifted. And I just want to pray, Lord, for those who need healing, I pray that you would touch them right now. May your healing power flow through them. I pray, Lord, if it, for, for spiritual needs, for financial needs, Lord, pour open the windows of heaven so that they cannot contain it. And any other need, Father, whatever it may be, I'm just so thankful that we can bring it to you. Sovereign God, who knows all things and is in charge of all things and controls all things, we bring it to you. And we thank you. Thank you that you, that you loved us first. Because you loved us first, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.